Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me slash sales. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight got a great show planned for you this evening. I have two guests coming up. My second guest this evening is Chris, and Chris used to be a special agent uh, for the Tribal Police. He's since retired, uh, but he'll be sharing with us a lot of encounter stories around the reservation, some encounter stories that he was called out to uh, while he was with the force. So it should be a very fascinating night. Uh, My first guest is Ron, and his son, he was out camping they had a family camping trip uh, out at the mount baker area and this just happened a few weeks ago and his son and his and his friend had run into a sasquatch and he talks about what his son saw talks about how his son's feeling uh, very fascinating i think his son's dead on with this description uh, should be a great night tonight before we get to that though if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show email me my email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, check out the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. Uh, there's a daily blog, additional shows, there's forums. Uh, it's a cool place to go to share stories. It's a cool place to go to share information. So I really hope you, if you get a chance, you check it out. Well, let's get to it tonight. I want to welcome Ron to the show. 
Uh, Ron, I apologize to you. I put on the blog it was Mount Adams and uh, it was Mount Baker, so I apologize for that. But thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, sharing your son's encounter. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Let's start from the very beginning. What were you guys out doing? And then if you kind of would walk us into with regard to your your son and his friend and then kind of what they told you, just kind of walk us through the whole story, if you would. Kind of what were you doing and sure. then what was experienced? Sure. Well, we started out our camping trip. It was August 13th of this year. And we had spent the day swimming at the north end of Baker Lake, kind of near a, a we had camped at Shannon Creek Campground um, on the northern end. And it's just below uh, Baker Forest Road 11, I believe it's called. And uh, we spent the day swimming uh, to the north of the, of the campground. And, uh, Noticed a lot of dead fish floating around that day, and it, it kind of caught my attention. I thought I was thinking I should probably let the kids know that you know it could be a potential for wildlife. Unfortunately, I didn't, um, but it was in the back of my mind. We, we can save that part for later, so keep that in the back of your mind. We uh, finished the day swimming and decided to head back and cook some dinner up. And, I got stuck with kitchen duty and the boys and my wife and daughter, they headed down to the southern side of the Shannon Creek campground. Um, and there's a little kind of an alcove. I, I guess it's more like an inlet um, yeah. surrounded by the, the forest and the, the mountains. And the boys, the, the ladies were swimming in the, in the, in the lake there. Um, on one side, and the boys walked around this. It's kind of a horseshoe-shaped alcove, and they were they were kind of dinking around. It's um, and when I say hike, they it's it's really difficult. It's it's heavy log jams. You you have to go in the water about half the time to get over there. It's not an easy hike. It's you, you can't go quickly. You you definitely you could break an ankle. Um. So they clambered over there and they were kind of dinking around on the other side of the bank. And I, I showed up and, uh, I could see him over there. You know, it's, I want to say 200 yards, maybe less. No, it's probably about a hundred yards. I, I, I can tell you, it could be less than that. I could see him really well though. And they had found a little arrow and they were, they were kind of showing me the arrow and, you know, we were shouting back and forth. I couldn't really hear him. They couldn't really hear me. But they were showing me this arrow, and uh, my my son's friend he sat down on a log and he was trying to make you know kids make a a bow. They wanted to make a bow for this arrow they found. And he's over there trying to bend this piece of wood, and my son is standing there, and on this kind of half submerged log that's uh, parallel to the bank. And he he turned around and he looked up and he was just looking up into the wooded area. That's uh, it's kind of a steep area going up toward the uh, Mount Shuxon, um, heading north. And he started see he was looking at this creature. He wasn't even sure what he was seeing. Um, he describes it as a very large creature. Um, the head, he said the head was about the size of a watermelon. He describes it as a watermelon size and very thick, wide-shouldered creature just staring at him with these amber 
colored eyes. He kind of described it like they were kind of glowing kind of off the lake. Um, now keep in mind, it's about six thirty at night. So the, and we're on the shady side of this mountain. So it does kind of make some sense that the, the light coming off the lake would shine up into the mountain hillside there and, and could catch an eye shine. Yeah. Um, and that's what he described it. Uh, so he's standing there and, and kind of turning into shock. He said his, his heart sank and he felt like he was going to pass out because, you know, we've, we, in our household, we've always discussed the, the Bigfoot, you know, the Sasquatch. It's always been in, in our minds. And when we go hiking and camping, he's never considered that, you know, he, he kind of believes it, but it's kind of a, if you don't see it, you know, it's kind of a, a myth. Well, it, he realized what he was actually seeing was not a bear who was not a raccoon. It was, in his mind, a, a Sasquatch. His friend noticed that he stopped talking and was just staring up into the woods. And he turned around, the friend turned around and saw less of the head, but more of the body. Because he was at a, a sitting location. And he describes a, a creature that was, the way they described it was, hey, Dad, do you know LeBron James? He's really big. He's got wide shoulders. Well, this thing was bigger than that. And it was covered in dark hair. Like he, he said, I could see the arm. I could see the muscles. I could see the, the pectoral area of the chest. He said it was very muscular and very wide. So they they immediately bolted out of there and got back as quick as they can and, and ran over to me. Um, like I said, it takes about five minutes to get from one side to the other. And so when I I, I took a very brief, I listened very briefly to what they said, and I, I said, I'm going over there. I've got to validate what you've seen, and maybe it's a bear. And I ran over there and uh, ran, being clambered over logs and got, all wet and um, as quick as they could. I got to the area and they, they kind of pinpointed. Let me back up a second. They started following me. I, I, I begged them, please take me over there. And they got about halfway and said, we're, we're not going over there. That's, we do not want to go back over there. So I said, fine, I'll, I'll just go solo. Um, and they, they became very worried that I was going over there solo. And it, it, now that I look back at it, it probably wasn't a good idea. But I, I had to validate what they were seeing at that, that right time with the lighting. I wanted to see if it was maybe a stump or some moss or maybe even a bear. I, I have run across bear up there. So I got over there and I, I just I got in the area like right below where they had seen this creature. And I just listened and, I, and it was about 10 minutes. I just stood there and looked and listened and. I couldn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. I was not about to climb up into the area where they were, where they saw it because little did I know that when we returned the next day, how close it was, was about 30 feet. And that's very, very close as far as I'm concerned for any wild animal. Um, yeah, it's almost too close. Yeah. Let me ask you, when? how old is your son? Um, he, he is 15 now. He was, uh, he was about three weeks from his birthday turning 15 at that time. And what was his reaction when he came back 
to the camp to tell you what they saw? What was actually both of the boys' reactions? They were very concerned. Uh, My son was, he was a little more distraught than the other boy. I think maybe because he saw the face. He kind of looked white. He didn't look well. He was very shocked. He just wanted to go back to the campsite. Were the boys asking to leave at that point? They did. My my son actually said, I, I would like to just go home if we can. He's like, I, I don't want to sleep here tonight. I said, you know, we're here. Um, we have protection. Uh, you know, he's like, well, I'm not sleeping in the tent alone. There's no way. With Can you sleep with us or can we sleep in your tent? I agreed to sleep in their tent and... Unfortunately, we had a very, very bad thunderstorm that night, so that did not help. What did your son say the face looked like? How did he describe it to you? Yeah, he described it. It was difficult for him. He said it was almost like a gorilla. Just a a real dark face, um, kind of a flat, flattish nose. Because you got to remember, when they're telling me these things, we, we got back to the campsite, and we're kind of going over everything, and I'm taking all the notes I can. He, I'm like, okay, is it possible you saw a bear? Is it possible you saw, you know, I'm naming off all the animals. And they're like, dad, you like, no, we've seen bears. The, the friend has hunted bear in Alaska. He knows his wild animals. He's a avid hunter. He wears, you know, he's a typical hunter kid. It's like, he was absolutely convinced there's no way it was a bear. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of a, yep. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry to me cut you off. Oh, the the head, uh, yeah, kind of a whitish. Uh, he described it as watermelon shape. If you were to kind of stand like a watermelon on its end, if it was you know vertical, but he said it was uh, like a big big head. And how's your son dealing with this today? You know, he's been really quiet lately. He hasn't wanted to talk about it since the incident. But up until last week, he I haven't brought it up to him. And he's the one who started, he started talking about it again. And, uh, we were just the other day, we were, I think I told you a couple of days ago, he said, you know, I, I'm so convinced that what I've seen is a Sasquatch. There's just, there's no other, other way it was anything else. He had spent a lot of time looking at pictures on the internet, um, of different animals that he could have mistaken. And he's drawn to these, a couple pictures that we discovered on the, on the internet, one was a picture. It looks like a gorilla, um, kind of behind a tree, uh, with the like amber colored eye shine. And he's that he insists that's what he saw was that creature. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like I was telling you, you know, when you when you have a sighting, everyone wishes for a sighting. Everyone wants to see these things. They want to see these things. But it's it's funny because when you see one. There's this period of time where you really, you wish you wouldn't have seen it. You wish you could go back and unsee it, and you wish that uh, it was just kind of. Th- there's a difference between believing they exist and then seeing one. And your son's reaction really is the reaction a lot of people have after they see these things. Yeah, I think you nailed that. He's he. Uh, both of them have told me they wish they had never seen it. Um, you know, like I said, we've we've discussed it in the and, and he said, you know, we've always talked about Bigfoot. 
talking to we've always we, we every time we go camping it's kind of a the tradition to say okay we're going to go look for soft spots you know we're going to go on which is kind of a a ploy to get them to go for a hike you know right and uh he said now that now that i've seen it i you know i kind of kind of believed it at first but now i wish i never would have seen it dad i, I just wish it never would have happened it kind of changes your worldview on, on a lot of things, especially when you go up in the woods again. And I'm sure he'll get back out in the woods, but you, you definitely have your head on a swivel. You're more uh, on high alert when you go out there because you realize there's more than just cougars. You realize there's more than just bears out there. You realize there's more than uh, your normal predators out there. Now you have this other thing. And 30 feet away, that's close. It was it was kind of alarming to me when we I did convince him the next morning to take me over there so that we could get some GPS locations and kind of check out the area and I was able to I was more comfortable climbing up in there in the morning time it was about nine thirty in the morning we went back over there they got into their locations and I climbed up in there and <laughs> laughably I wasn't even close to the size um, but. Uh, yeah, it was really dang close. I can tell you that. Did your did your son say the creature? Did the creature vocalize? Did the creature uh, do anything uh, with regard to what your son said? Uh, he didn't describe any vocalizations or facial movements. We discussed that last night. He said no. It just was just staring at us, like really curious, and uh, yeah, so nothing like that. They they did say that. The the friend said that as they walked, because my son left like seconds ahead of him as he was in a standing position. The friend said he, as he turned around, he said the creature was turning back away from them to go back up the mountain as they left, which would be would make sense because when I went over there, I didn't see anything. So, yeah, I think what as you and I talked the other day, I think probably what happened, and this is one of those encounters that you would want in the in the sense that a lot of times you know i've had a lot of people on the show and a lot of people share different encounters and generally when they have an encounter like your sons and his and his friend when the creatures make some sort of aggressive movement or they growl or they vocalize generally if you stay in the area you're going to have problems that night uh you're going to have some serious problems that night because that's a cue to leave a lot of times with encounters like this where it's coming up and it's just watching the boys and when they leave, it exits. Generally, you don't have any major problems with them. Uh, I think, and I'm just theorize, theorizing at this point because I don't, again, as you and I, I always jokingly say, I don't have one in my garage I'm studying. But I think probably what happened in this situation is it was coming down to the water and with the fish down there, that's great a great food source. It's coming down to the water. And generally, they'll come down off the ridgelines at night. Usually, people catch them around the time uh, your son had his encounter. Or really, a lot of hunters will catch him early in the morning going back up the mountain. And I think they come down off those ridgelines to eat, to hunt uh, at dark. And then as the sun's starting to come back up, generally, they, they make their way back up. And probably what happened in this situation, and again, it's, I'm just theorizing, uh, it was making its way down to the water, and your son and his friend were caught in the middle. 
Yeah, I think I think you nailed that right on the head. I I was just it was just alarming to me that all the the, the dead fish, um, you know, the fishermen had spent the day or you know the week whatever fishing and catching the bottom feeders and they were uh, throwing them out so they were floating up on the banks. And I had to keep my dog away from them you know all day long, so it does make a lot of sense that. Uh, yeah, and like I said, you know, I I know how your son feels. I went through the same thing. I I mean, I know exactly how he is feeling, and and the offer's always open to him. You know, if he wants, he doesn't have to come on the air. I'm not going to ask him to come on the air if he doesn't want to come on the air. But uh, if he just wants to call call me and and talk to me about, you know, how he's feeling about the whole thing, I'd I'd be more than happy to talk with them and. And, you know, it helps really to talk about it. It's even though you don't want to, you know, I'm sure your son doesn't really want to talk about it. It really does help to kind of talk about it, talk about what he saw, talk about how he feels with someone who has seen it. You know what I mean? So people don't beat him up over over what he's seen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because he yesterday he mentioned, you know, I haven't been able to talk to anyone because, like, how do you start that conversation? Hey, by the way, I saw Bigfoot. You know, he's like, I, I don't know who to talk to. In fact, his, his the friend who has told his parents, they, oh, there's no such thing as Bigfoot. You didn't see anything up there. You know, that that, that poor guy, he didn't have any support there. And he's getting ridiculed. So, yeah, and that's a hard part. Yeah, it makes it tough. It is, you know, and it's a very emotional thing. You know, a lot of people have that very strong uh, emotional response to having an encounter and when you when you tell someone and then they beat you up over it 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 kind of crushes you really yeah Uh, especially when you're trying to you know you're telling the truth on what you saw you're telling the truth on how you're feeling and then you get the well they don't exist well you know that's it's like i always say it's be careful what you wish for and it's all fun, fun and games until you see one and then it's a whole different outlook it's a whole different feeling it's a whole different experience that you go through after you've seen one of these things and they really do strike the strike the fear into people i think it's you know it's funny i was talking to a guy last friday you know and he was saying that he was shocked by the the fear factor he was shocked by the experience of seeing one he was shocked by you know just hit him hit him like a ton of bricks when he saw one. And he's always wanted to see one. And then he saw one and then he wished he would have never seen it at that point because it just terrified him. And I think your your son's description really is dead on with what people describe here in Washington state. I mean, it's, it's to the T what people describe. And then looking at your son's behavior, the other, the other boy's behavior of not wanting to go back and wanting to leave at that point. People generally don't have that same type of fear when they see a bear or when they see a cougar or when they see uh, your normal, quote-unquote, normal wildlife. They don't have that that strong reaction, but they do when they see these things. They want out of there. They want to leave. They don't really want right. to talk about it. you know. So my heart goes out to your son and, and his friend, and, and the offer is open to his friend, too. I mean, you have my cell phone number. His friend's welcome to call me uh, if yeah, they cool. just want to talk about it, you know? Yeah, it's very very kind of you to offer that. And uh, I know I know you were hoping to see it running back over there. Um, actually, I got to be honest with you. After I saw their initial reaction, I was kind of hoping I wouldn't because they were very scared. 
I, I really didn't want to see it at that point. I, I, you know, it's like you said, you do want to see one. Oh, it'd be so great to see one. And then you see it and then, oh, I don't want to see this anymore. And that's where I was after I saw their reaction is I'm okay if I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And in that part of the country where you're at, uh, it's kind of one of those areas to where it's not great for footprints. It's not great for, it's really hard to track animals in that area just because of the way the brush is. I know there's a lot of moss in the area. There's a lot of clover in the area. Yeah. Um, and the rock and the, the, the ground underneath is, is hard as a rock in a lot of those areas. So even without all of that underbrush, mm-hmm. it's, it's nearly impossible to track anything. Yeah. As you can imagine, I, I've played out a bunch of scenarios in my head, like what could this have been? And one of the scenarios I played out was, well, could this be a human dressed up in a gorilla costume, right? But when I got up into that area, it, it, I quickly changed my opinion of that to how the heck could they have gotten in there? Because it's so thick and so steep. And at that exact time, how would they know that anyone would be over in this area? There, It just it eliminated all of the possibility of human interaction. Yeah, and most gorilla costumes. I don't know that there's a lot of people that do that here in Washington State because I think you're you're apt to get shot pretty quick, especially being in a gorilla costume. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people generally don't do that, and I think your son, right? You know, kids nowadays. Uh, my son's 13, and I'm blown away by. Uh, I used to be the technology guy, and he just puts me to shame with it. But kids are pretty smart these days. They, I think your son would have picked up if it was someone in a gorilla costume. Yeah. And a bear, you know, if a bear is going to get that close, there's going to be either an altercation. Uh, bears generally, especially in that area, will run from you the moment that they catch any sense of you. They're not going to stand there and watch and stare. And Yeah. And um, I really think your son saw a Sasquatch. I really do. And there's that. that's... That's really one of those areas too. Mount, I know I said Mount uh, Adams, and I know it was Mount Baker, but he, I mean, there's a lot of reports in those areas. A lot. Pretty frightening. Um, yeah, he told me he told me a few days ago. He's like, you know, I would take a lie detector test. I he's like, I'm so convinced of what I've seen. Like, it's there's no way it was a bear. Uh, I'm not making this up. You know, they they both told me the same thing. So I, I have to support him. You know. Yeah, I would just support him. And there's no need for a lie detector test. I mean, I went through that. Yeah, I, I offered to take take yeah. one after my encounter. My brother offered to take one after his. Both me and my brother offered to take one. There's really no need for your, your son. I really think no. that he saw one, especially with his reaction. The, the best thing I would try to do is get him back out in the woods as soon as you can and just go for uh, a hike. Have him get, you know, I, time helps. Time really does help. And it may take a couple yeah. months, but um, I would just try and get them back out there. And these things are out there. You know, people go out in the woods all the time. These things are out there. And most people believe they don't exist until they actually see one. And then it's it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, retelling your, your son's encounter. It's a great encounter. And like I said, his description is is dead on the good news generally speaking not always but generally speaking here in washington state you generally don't get a lot of aggressive type attacks aggressive type behaviors uh the ape-like type that we have here in washington state generally speaking they 
will come in, there's curiosity, and then they'll leave, and there's usually not an altercation. If this was Texas or Oklahoma or Louisiana uh, or Missouri, I would tell, I would say, well, it's probably best not to go back into that area. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But I can't thank you enough for coming on. Hey, sure, no problem. Well, next on the show, I want to welcome Chris. He was a special agent for the uh, tribal police. And uh, welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for being here tonight. Good. Thanks for having me. Before we actually get into some of the stories, before we get into some of the different things you were called out to, and even some of the things that you're researching now, uh, your interest with Sasquatch started when you were young. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. My grandfather, he was a logger, uh, worked for the Forest Service and the BIA out in Northern California, Southern Oregon area. I remember him talking to me before he passed on quite a few years back about uh, a story that when he came back from the regular shift, they came back the next morning, their bulldozer was uh, beat the heck out of. Uh, the windows were smashed. The engine compartment was totally torn apart and looked like big old dents inside of all the way around it. Uh, the ground was pretty solid, so they couldn't really, they just thought it was a boot print, but it was pretty big boot prints but it tried to pull the, the, the tracks off the bulldozer. So when he told me that story, he knew, as they, they call it the big man up there, here in South Dakota, as a kid, they call it Hishma in our native language, Lakota language, as, you know, hairy man. So when they tell you the Hishma man's going to get you, that's pretty much when you get that's the curfew of the community. Did your grandfather ever say what he thought did did all the damage to those that that traco? Yeah, he called it the big man. My grandfather on uh, the side over there is Klamath Modoc and Mexican, so his English was very terrible. He's <laughs> no, very traditional. This happened in the fifties, and that's all he called it was the big man. Yeah, and for anyone who's who's seen one of those tracos, I mean, it's, I mean, those things are. It's like a tank sitting up on a mountain. It's an, yeah, exactly. It's interesting that uh, sometimes I think the frustration of these creatures gets taken out on piece of e- pieces of equipment. You know, there was a story here in yeah. Washington State where uh, one of those, it was a bulldozer, actually had been actually pushed off a mountain, and and they couldn't figure out what pushed it, pushed it off the mountain. Wow. They found big, huge human-like footprints, and then the bulldozer halfway down the mountain, something had actually pushed it off the mountain. Uh, but years later, you, you became a special agent with the tribal police, which is uh, on law enforcement food chain. That's that's just about as high up as you can go. Was there any encounters that you were ever called out to or anything strange that uh, you investigated while you were with the police department? Yeah, I was with um, I got hired onto the, the Rosebud Indian Reservation, South Central South Dakota. And I started in the early 90s. I started the military. And uh, I remember in late 1992, um, an elderly female, she had called and had reports of peeping toms, this and that. And I heard it through the department. Yeah, you're going to get called to this lady's house and say people are peeking in her windows and stuff. Well, she had reported seeing, you know, Bigfoot-like creature like the week before. I remember reading the call, but uh, this particular, I go out there, she said that it was standing you know, just outside of her porch. And so I roll up there, and, you know, I, I don't know how to address these calls, but I know I had 
you know, my AR-15 ready. Um, as I come around the corner, I get out and, you know, I had the dispatch make a phone call to her to let me know where, where this thing is. And I started walking my flashlight. I came around the corner of the, of the little house he was in. And, uh, there was a bull elk standing there. So I kind of figured maybe that's what was peeking in her windows or this and that. So after I talking to the lady, she says, no, before it's a man who's coming up here, peeking in and stealing uh, vegetables out of her garden and just, you know, wrecking things around her house. Now, did she think that it was a Sasquatch type creature or did she actually think it was a man? First, she thought it was, you know, uh, kids playing around, you know, um, hitting her trailer or not her trailer, her house, actually. When she was uh, folding laundry, uh, she told me like years before, like in probably in the late 80s, folding laundry that uh, something was peeking at her at the same height as her and her house sits above ground and, you know, I happen to take a look at her window and it's got to be like seven feet off the ground, you know, to be at the same height as her in her kitchen. So she knows she saw this, you know, a dark figure with eyes looking at her. So I asked her if it was uh, the reflection off the, you know, light onto the window back to her. She said, no, and blinked and turned and walked away after I screamed. If you go there, if you go there today, you could see she has, I think she has the most street lights out in the country I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. She just has a place lit up. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's pretty common. A lot of times when, when people have the encounters around their property, they'll, tend to light the place up. Uh, I wanted to ask you, so how does, when the phone calls come in, let's say I make a 911 phone call. Uh, well, I guess it's not really 911 when you're calling the tribal police, but you get what I'm saying. When, when you're calling for help. Yeah, we have 911 now. Yeah, back, back then they didn't. Long, long number. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you're calling for help. You want the, the tribal police to come out. You're asking for help. How does it, how do they take it when, if someone were to call up and say, Hey, look, it's not a person. There's a Sasquatch out here. Do they kind of, is it the same as, you know, let's say someone makes a phone call from Washington state to the local police and says, Hey, there's, I, I think of the, and then what I'm getting to is I'm thinking of the 911 call I have at the beginning of the show where the guy calls 911 yeah. and he yeah. thinks it's a Sasquatch and you can hear it in his voice, but he doesn't want to come. But he up. doesn't really say it. Yeah. He doesn't want to say it. Yeah. I worked with a little, probably over 12, 13 dispatchers, and I asked them the same thing because when I started getting interested in getting these calls, they just kind of glared, look at you, and says, well, somebody's seen a Bigfoot over here, you know, and they'll say they'll say that over the radio. I mean, they, they ain't shy to say it at all, but it's just who they're going to give the call to because if they end up chasing the thing, you know, <laughs> it's going to be quite, uh, I don't know how you say it, pretty exciting, you know. Nobody really wants to go on that call. Because we don't want to do with it, you know. Yeah, and I've heard that from other tribal police members I've had on the show, where uh, they've gone out to these type of calls. They and they have seen the creature actually running away from the property, and they don't want to yeah. chase the thing down. They just want nothing to do with it. Uh, I guess it depends on the beliefs of the tribe and everything. You know, it, yeah. do they think it's yeah. something good or bad? Or what other strange calls do you, were you called out to? Um, actually, we were me and uh, another gentleman. Uh, he, he's long gone from the PD. Um, we were coming back from a community called Parmley, uh, South Dakota, Parmley, and it was a big gang fight, and there was just only two of us working. And 
I was in front of him, you know, I had two or three prisoners. He had two prisoners and, uh, you know, like you know, the uh, prisoner right behind me said, Hey, what is that? And it's early in the morning, you know, sun hasn't really crested yet, but he drives to this ghost talk area. There's a view of the little white river and he's kind of sitting above it. And when he said that, I looked over and I could see something in the water, but I'm trying to concentrate on driving at the same time. I see something in the water and my partner, he radios to me. He said, did you see that? I said, well, I seen something in the water. He said, well, it was something on two feet. <laughs> That's all he said. And the guys, the prisoners said it was, it was a big, uh, big man that was inside the water crossing the river. Yeah, that's odd. Weren't you called out to one where a lady had, uh, they said monkeys were on their trailer? Yeah, that was, uh, he's had them in in mid, mid nineties. They just moved a trailer out in this community. It's on the western side of, uh, Todd County. Once you pass their place, it's going to be at least 45 minutes before you see, you know, another community. They're on the edge of the timber area and she had put a trailer out and uh, she would call the police and say something's messing with the trailer, you know, throwing things at her trailer, shaking her trailer. And uh, this particular call that I went on said they were, her, her and her uh, companion said that there was actual monkeys on top of her trailer. And, you know, in South Dakota, we do not have any monkeys as far as I know. Um, and she said they were small hairy men. And, you know, in Lakota language, uh, we do have, a myth or of a, what we call Wawilas, which are very small people. But the way she described them, they were just like chimpanzees. And from that night, a particular night when I was there, uh, she said, yeah, they ran off towards the, uh, the car. She, her companion had grabbed the gun, shot it in the air. Um, they took off and then they noticed a, a bigger one, probably like six, seven foot one that was standing near a tree take off and was hooping at him as like, you know, like she was uh, saying hooping at him. What does that mean? She said, no, they're going whoop, whoop. And they were like, you know, talking to each other as they ran off. A after a few times, they would just shoot in the air when they leave. Or sometimes they would just leave and never come back till morning. And they found, you know, most of their, their stuff messed with, you know, pushed over. So um, a mess man had told her, just put out food for them. And they won't bother you. So they start putting food out because there is, as our traditional people say, there's spirits out there. You must feed them. If you're going to eat, you feed them too the same and they won't bother you. So she, as far as I know, she's never got a call like that. You know, never had any incidents after that, as far as I know. So this wasn't a one-time incident. This was going on for a while? For a long time. She said about eight months. And she just moved her trailer in there. So I don't know if it was taken over on their territory or I, I you know, couldn't really explain that. Let me ask you, have you ever gone out to a call where someone says there's a Sasquatch or uh, there's, you know, a Sasquatch type creature out there? Have you ever gone out to a call where you've looked around, you found something that made you stop and go, okay, there's something going on out here like footprints or have you ever found anything odd that you just couldn't explain? The only other one is is the call when, when I became a special agent in 2011, and I was pretty much in charge of the co-investigation of any major crime that happened on the reservation. And I was called to a, a fatality accident on a, uh, we call it the Grass Mountain Road. 
a patrol officer was on scene and I was doing my investigation. Uh, the ambulance people requested, you know, they were kind of hungry and the, the gas station was 10 miles away. So like, I, I let them go. So it was just me and him on it down there when I was taking my measurements, pictures, you know, doing my investigation. We were sitting there comparing notes of what time he got the call, you know, as well as interviewing him. Um, we heard these screams out, you know, had them in the west of the river, and they were pretty loud. The only thing I can compare it to is a YouTube video that I watched from uh, California where these guys were along the road. And almost on, not really like the Joker, but kind of a, a hooping screen. We both heard that, and he begged for me, because when I was done with my investigation, I was going to leave, and he'd be the only one down there. And he begged me to stay with him. Yeah, I know from our conversation yesterday, you were talking about the, um, uh, what's what's that one called? Out at the Blue Mountains, where it sounds like a yeah. hyena, hyena laughing. Hyena. That's what, yes. yes. That's what, that's what you heard? That's what I hear, yeah. Both of us, you, mean, you, you could play that in front of him, and he will exactly, yeah, that's what we heard, exactly what we heard. Is there a lot of green area out there in South Dakota? Oh, yeah, there's, um, half of our reservation is covered in canyons, you know, deep canyons. They're, you know, just, just like mountains, but it's inverted <laughs> downward. Um, there's a lot of uh, creek beds, a lot of places, a lot of trees where, you know, they'll go from flats to nothing but trees in an instant. Investigating all of this, is that really what made you draw your interest into this? You know, coming out to these phone calls, going out, having these different experiences. Is that really what made you have an interest in this? Yeah, it it spiked my interest because, you know, a couple of the other officers went on calls where they had this. And I believe one officer chased it. Um, there was a police chief in, in uh, Pine Ridge Reservation who actually we've been in contact, you know, we've known each other for years, and um, he was actually on Finding Bigfoot with his story, and I got to talk to him about when he had it on infrared camera. But it really spiked my interest, and, and so I started the, the Bigfoot South Dakota uh, Facebook webpage, and pretty much I share and, and starting to get to know a lot more people out here in South Dakota and learning um, all the the sightings that happened here in South Dakota, like the ones in 79 and uh, Little Eagle, with all the you know news reports from CBS and covering themselves, trying to actually follow up on that this past summer. But uh, it really spiked my interest so much that people are starting to come forward with uh, different stories, and i got quite a few of them so far that I'm working on. What happened with your officer friend? What was that encounter? I don't think I remember that one. Um, he was actually called out to a house, uh, between Parmalee, the community of Parmalee and Mission. And uh, he was called out to a house that somebody was trying to break in their cars. And, and when he gets out there, and this was like an evening time, you know, just, just at dusk, um, there was a fire that was probably seven, eight miles west of there, just a small fire. And uh, when he pulled up to the residence, something had taken off, so he started chasing it in a vehicle because it's a pretty much a flat, you know, little rolling hills. And but when he got to the tree line, he couldn't find anything. But all he could say was a big dark figure. So he figured it was just a you know neighborhood kid that was breaking in cars. But he said it was a pretty big kid, you know. But it was a lot faster than his, you know, what he was driving because he had a four wheel drive. Oh wow! So he he was actually chasing it down in the car. He wasn't on foot. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was on a um, an four four wheel drive vehicle, and they were probably about maybe 
quarter of a mile from the actual when the canyons drop off into the timber reserve. He saw it running, taking off, and so he tried to, you know, help do the, the V-line for it. As soon as it hit the tree line, it was gone. Yeah, if he can't catch it in the car, it's it's probably not a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said it was probably about a good maybe 400, 500 yards from him when he started pulling up to the residence. And it took off running, and that's how it got his attention. So he went past the house and straight for it. And as soon as they hit the tree line, it was gone. And it was, you know, all he said it was all in black. Do you guys have dogmen out there in South Dakota? The only thing that, you know, in South, not in South Dakota, um, I, you know, before I, I retired as a police officer or special agent, uh, taking a small job out in Winnebagus, um, in Iowa. Actually, it's the Winnebago uh, tribe. One of the, the guards uh, had given me a story that, that happened the night before, and, and uh, we we had to supervise like 15 security guards for this casino, and, you know, you were plain clothes cop. And uh, he told me a story that happened the night before, and he um, got on the Internet and showed me this picture of a, a werewolf-looking thing because he almost ran into it on the Winnebago Reservation in Nebraska. And he said it pretty much stood up on two legs and looked at him, and he was so freaked out about it that, you know, he he, he asked me, he said, you got any guns I can borrow because it's close to my house. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get more and more of those type of reports, you know, and I'm not really sure what to make of it. But, I mean, I believe the people that are sending it to me, but I'm getting more and more of those reports and it's those are it's harder to get that out of people than just your normal Bigfoot report. You know what I mean? Definitely. Now you sent me a, a video. I posted it up to the blog on SasquatchChronicles.com. I thought it was a great video. Um, it was uh, of the guy yeah. that was the thing came up on the porch and yeah, you heard the footsteps, and uh, that's what woke him up, and it started grunting. So by the time he got his phone and start, he just put his, he didn't even look outside. He just put his hand up there above the window, just held it because he could hear it. Um, that happened in December of this past year. And he held on for a long time because he's been having little activity off and on at his house. He, when he recorded that, he was, you know, really freaked out about it. And finally in June of this year, he actually sent me that, asked me to look at it and went onto his property and his Pretty much the front of his whole property is nothing but thick crit bed that runs from, you know, east to west. And he had a lot of activity as far as, you know, his central air system. Big things are really heavy. He said that was pushed over twice. Uh, things been thrown at his house, tapping on his house and stuff like that. And he couldn't, he doesn't have no idea what it could be. He just thought it was like, you know, animals coming up and rubbing up against the wall and stuff until he heard that. And he's been freaked out ever since. Did this take place in South Dakota? Yeah, it was on the Rosebud Reservation, yes. And do you guys have bears out there? No, we do not. I think the last bear recording, well, we got, we do here in Rapid City, uh, have Bear Country USA, but it's, they keep good count on those bears there. But uh, I think the last grizzly that's ever been here was in the late 80s, and it was actually a black bear. But as far as when, you know, kind of ironic, Custer's, one of the, killed one of the last grizzly bears that were known to this area. But we do not have any bear, no black bear. That noise on there, I, I can't figure that out. You know, I've heard bulls. I've heard all kinds of animals making those type of noises, but that's not the noise what I hear. 
Yeah, and again, for the listeners out there, if you go to SasquatchChronicles.com, it's under something at my window. Um, I posted it on Friday. Uh, so if you get a chance, check it out. But, I mean, you're right, Chris. I listened to that, and I have had other people listen to it. And some people said, well, maybe it's a bear, but it doesn't really sound like a bear. Um, and I'm like, well, this took place in South Dakota. And a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads when they listen to that. Has he seen the creatures out on his property? No, he has not. Uh, see, after, I mean, he's never really paid attention. He doesn't really, you know, and he was a former cop uh, in, back in the late, late 90s. And uh, he just, he's flabbergasted on what the heck this thing is. I don't think he even stays home anymore. Or he, when he does, he makes sure it's daylight, never comes up. So he's got a shotgun by every door and window. So, you know, he, he lives out there by himself. And I, I think I sent you a picture of uh, that property there where it's surrounded. He really is out in the middle of nowhere. On his property, so he's been getting rocks thrown at the house. He's been getting things brushing up against the house. Uh, I would imagine like tapping. Tapping. I mean, there's not too many animals that'll, that that do that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, just, just off that report, you know, I, you know, in June this year, I, I got another report, or actually it was in July, I uh, got a report of a, a kid, um, and it's within this, has to be in this 20-square-mile area, um, was driving a tractor from a community to a, a farmhouse, and he was actually on the highway and this, decided to took place, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He was driving a tractor, and he happened to look over, you know, down in the ditch, you know, you sit in the tractor, they're pretty high up. And he knew it's something black in the, in the lilac bushes. And when he started to look even closer, he slowed down to a stop. Uh, the thing stood up and took off on two feet, and it was totally black. And he'd call his father, and his father got in touch with me. And they actually went out there that evening when he got done with his uh, uh, chores. And uh, there's a picture on Bigfoot, South Dakota, of him standing in those bushes. And uh, this gentleman, he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, somewhere around there. He's a pretty tall gentleman. But he's holding his hand up as far as, you know, what, what how big that creature was. And those bushes come up to actually the gentleman's his, uh, chest, chest area. And so that thing had to be, you know, fairly like eight feet, eight and a half feet tall. Yeah, I was going to say it probably eight feet, eight feet plus at least. Uh, did he was he able to give you a description of of what it was, or was it just that it was black? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it had a face on it, really thin lips. Had, you know, the, the facial facial area was clear, like a like a human. But, you know, he could see the lips, and it didn't really do anything. But the the hair was real uh, short, like um, shiny type. It was coal jet black. What does the local tribe think of these creatures? Um, they think of them as you know, they're pretty sacred. Actually, they think they're part of the earth. They're uh, earth protectors. And when I was talking about that bulldozer story, uh, my mom she suggested that you know they they protect the earth. That's probably why he's damaging the equipment that's for the logging. So uh, that's their perspective on it. And um, as far as you know, one of the witnesses I talked to a couple of days ago, he had mentioned. One thing that he he saw a creature out of this guy's house and told his elder, and his elder says, "Don't bother him; he won't bother you." He said they they've been living here forever. He said they're just protectors of you know the land and stuff. And I'm like, 
<laughs> that thing was watching you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What, what's your take on these creatures? What do you think? What do you think they are? I'm very, I never seen one. I've heard growls, I've, you know, seen video and I'm really skeptical. And that's probably why my interest is so high on the subject that, you know, I want to, I, I definitely don't want to have an encounter like you guys, you had. And, and you know, that kind of terrifies me. It makes me want to grab a bunch of miniguns and go out there looking, you know, but, um, I'm just very skeptical, and, you know, if it is out there, you know, it'd be like, you know, try to protect it. Now, on the tribe there in South Dakota, do they, I would imagine that they don't, do they openly talk about it? When they actually, when they, somebody sees it in the community, it's pretty much a, what we call as a moccasin telegraph. Everybody knows, you know, they, they openly do talk about it, because they're, they, they're really protective of children, you know, and and they hear stories that they still kids and this and that. So when when something like that is seen, probably a bunch of every kid is known to stay, stay close to home or stay away from this area, that, you know. Yeah, see, that's where I kind of get lost with some uh, Native Americans. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty heavily Native American myself, you know, as far as uh, my family. And what's interesting is, depending on the tribe you talk to, is their outlook on the creature. And every one of them has a different outlook on the creature. Uh, yeah. But what's interesting is is I've heard that, too. They're protectors of the earth. They're protectors of the forest. They're guardians. But in the same breath, if they come around, keep your women and clo- your children close. Uh, be- yeah. And it kind of throws you off a little bit. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought this thing was a guardian. I thought this thing was yeah. a protector. And all the research. Yeah, and all the research, you know, of them hurting people and stuff like that. I mean, if, if that is going on, that's one thing. You know, I definitely don't want to encounter that, but uh, it's just really like a two-sided coin, you know. You don't know if they're good or evil. I, we don't know until we actually find one. Well, and I think it goes back to, uh, you know, my view on it with a wild animal. You know, sometimes you see, uh, I have no fear of black bears at all. Uh, because every time I've encountered a black bear, it's ran. I mean, it's turned and, and it's gone. But, you know, sometimes you do get those encounters with black bears where they don't turn and they don't run, and people have been attacked by them. You know, they're very, it's very yeah. unpredictable. And I think with these creatures, they can be very unpredictable, you know, in their behavior and, and how they react to certain situations. Yeah. Well, was there any other stories or anything else you wanted to share? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I... Actually, uh, working, I know earlier this year, June 30th, uh, a game warden uh, was out cruising, and uh, this happened this year. Um, he was driving on the same road where uh, the video, where this video was taken, it's five miles down the road. Um, actually going in on a, they call it the Ring Thunder Road, but it's the cut across that goes into Mullet County. Down that creek, five miles from there, when it crossed in front of him, and he knows what he saw. He had two passengers with him. And the black thing had came across the road, and it was moonlight out. It just happened to be about 1, probably 1230 at night. And he was, you know, as he's driving by, he slows down. There's moonlight out, and you can see the figure, the outline of the figure. And it was, he said it was a man. He knew exactly what it was. just kept driving. And on that same road, I talked to a gentleman last night, one of my lifelong friends, happened to run into him last night, and I told him, 
what I was doing. You know, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he, he told me a story that kind of, you know, I was like, whoa, this happened on that same road. Uh, happened probably five years ago, he said. Um, they were out, him and his buddies were having a good time. They were driving slowly, just cruising from, uh, there's a back road from Pomeroy, South Dakota, to White River, South Dakota. And it's that same exact road. They were cruising, they came over this hill, and they saw uh, a black thing that was hunched over in the middle of the road, like it was messing with its feet or messing with something on the road. When they got closer, within about 50 yards, it, it sprung up, it did like a, a Ford summer sauce, and sprung up and jumped over the fence. And he described it as, you know, uh, jet jet black, shiny, orange eyes. As, as they passed, they were looking right at him. Had orange eyes. He said it was about nine feet tall. He said he couldn't believe how big that thing was agile. You know, he thought it was a cow on the road. The three guys, the three gentlemen in the pickup, they both all looked at each other and said, oh, what did you see? What did you see? You know, questioning there, you know, because they've been having a good time. And I said, no, I saw a big hairy man. You know, I, I saw what I saw. And him describing how it just rolled into a Ford summer sauce and just, you know, hopped over the fence just in one leap, you know, from the ditch. I mean, it had to be pretty big and agile. These things are really agile. Now you're talking about the video. Are you talking about the guy that recorded the thing growling at his window? Yeah. Yeah. That's no, this ain't the same guy. This is a totally different guy. Right. But, uh, right. Same. same road. Yeah. Same road. About five miles from his house, huh? Yep. Wow. And uh, speaking of that, you know, I, I come to learn, I'm still, still researching. Uh, I, I haven't found uh, the police officer that took his report, but it was a, a Millette County, South Dakota. He was one of the sheriff's deputies. That a truck driver um, had ran into um, what he described as a, as a big, hairy, uh, something on two feet had hit the truck. You know, uh, the truck hit it and went off in a ditch. And so the truck driver waited a long time for it. And I'm still researching. I don't know all the details, but uh, as soon as I find a report or talk to the actual deputies, I, I could let you further know about that. Yeah, if you would, I'd love to have you back on for an update on that. It'd be nice to. Uh, I get those occasionally, you know, from truck drivers that uh, say, well, I hit something big and hairy and I was running on two legs. But most of the time when they hit them, which is kind of amazing, uh, they generally don't go down. I mean, they'll go down, but then they'll get back up and run. My understanding uh, from the gentleman that told me this is that they search the ditch. They search within geez, 200 yards from the, where you hit that, didn't find nothing. They did find hair in the grill, black horse hair, or cinnamon brown, I have you actually talked to the game warden that had a sighting? Yes, I did. And is That's, is he pretty? Yeah, he's pretty adamant. He's pretty uh, traditional, and uh, it's really hard for him to talk about it. But he knows I'm very interested, in, and he's been a lifelong friend. When he told me, he told me a, a a different story that when he was actually on patrol, you know, when the sunset the sunset rule. Um, they go to this place and it's called Iron Shell Flats. And he was sitting there scoping, and what, as the game was called, it was the last shot. When that time limit comes, you know, anything out after that time limit, you know, it's basically poaching. So he usually waits for that, and he didn't really hear anything. So he starts driving along this trail uh, on this flat, and he notices something big and black, probably about 400 yards away walking so he figured it's summoning camel that's going back to their truck or you know so he starts driving towards it 
and he starts getting closer and closer. It looks at him and takes off running so fast, but he's close enough where he could, you know, I think within 70 yards or so that he knows it's a very gigantic man. We do have one hunter out there, one of my good friends, and he's uh, six 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 seven, very large, and he said he, he could dwarf him no problem. When he told me that, he, was, he said he was freaked out and just went through a fence and didn't stop. He didn't want to ever go back out there for a while, but it's his duty, so he has to go back there, but he just goes out with more ammo. Yeah, I don't blame him. Did he ever get a good look at the face, or was he able to give you any sort of dis- No, it was, it, it was, you know, duck. You know, you just see him as a gigantic figure, all in black, total black. Like if somebody dressed up for turkey hunting, all the camo and, you know, at the duck, it looks like something that's dressed in black. But he said it was the way it took off running. I said there's no man that could do that, you know, long strides and disappear like that. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. By the speed of that thing, he probably realized it wasn't a man at that point. Um, I didn't realize there was so much going on in South Dakota. I, I don't get a lot of reports from South Dakota. I would imagine, though, that there is, there would yeah, be. These happen over, over the years, you know. Like, uh, one, I just, um, I talked to a firefighter in, back in July of 2012. Um, there was actually a group of firefighters that were inside of a van, and they were waiting to get deployed, and they were actually in the staging area. Um, in western Todd County, basically probably five miles from where that trailer house was, you know, just right across the road. And they they were all sitting there. It was probably 3 o'clock in the morning or so, and something had pushed the top of the van, pushed it down and shut the van so much. They had no clue what it was because half of them were asleep, you know, they are just getting ready to get deployed. And they didn't know, they didn't see anything. They saw, you know, the place had previously burned, and when you walk on burned grass, you can see footprints. And if you're wearing a boot, you know, it'll be the same size as a gigantic footprint. But the, the interesting part about that is that they had handprints that were, I think one of them described it as like 11 inches long on top of the, on top of the van, on the dust. And somebody has pictures, but I'm still real hard to track that down. Yeah, you're getting some good reports out there. Yeah. Well, they're starting to come out more and more. Yeah, I'm very thankful for that. You know, I do everything funded by myself. So somebody calls me if I'm near it, I will go definitely look for tracks, look for any sign, and sit out there and listen. And Chris, if someone's in South Dakota and they have a sighting, how would they contact you? Um, actually, I believe my number is on the Bigfoot uh, South Dakota uh, Facebook webpage. A lot of people they they know me for years. You know, I was being an investigator, and you know, especially at home, they know how to get a hold of me, no problem. But if they, you know, I check check my page hourly, but if it's like an overnight sighting, usually they just message me and let me know, and I usually show up on the area. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to Brenda Harris, and she's out in New Mexico, I believe. And she, you know, they have different sightings on the reservation out there. And one of the things that, uh, I don't know if you've ever looked into this or not, Chris, but one of the things that's interesting, she was telling me one time that uh, these kids had shot one of these creatures and they had killed it and they took pictures of it. They were later warned it was the federal government stepped in and squashed the whole thing. Uh, but she was there talking to the kids. She was there. She saw the pictures. 
the tribal elders were upset because these kids had shot this thing. And it, it was kind of a shame the way they shot it. They just were yeah. uh, just out shooting just to be shooting. Uh, but they had shot this thing. She was saying the federal government showed up and basically squashed the whole thing, took the pictures, told the kids to shut their mouth, uh, told wow. everyone, everyone involved that it didn't happen. And it was just, um, I'll have to put you in contact with Brenda. It's a real interesting encounter when I when I talked with her about it because, yeah. uh, and she said it was federal. It was definitely federal agents that came out. It wasn't your local sheriff department. It yeah. wasn't your local police department. Yeah, I did ask because uh, I worked. Uh, we work closely with the FBI, ATF, because uh, they have offices in Superior, Aberdeen, and, and Rapid City, and uh, a lot of my friends. And I've always asked them, they said, what would you do? You know, these are you know, city kids that are coming to work on the reservation. What would happen if, we, if somebody brings in a Bigfoot? And, and they just look at me and like, shit, I don't want nothing to do with that, you know, basically that attitude. You know, and I've always asked them, what if somebody shot one? I said, well, we've got to investigate it. And, I don't know if it's a different agency, but we work closely with the FBI. Yeah, I think that, uh, I well, I've talked about it in the past, and um, I definitely think there's an agency out there that... Uh, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it takes and care. I, 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 yeah, and I've listened to most of the shows with the, the Men in Black, stuff like that, and people do tell me there's you know, like probably, possibly an agency out there. It could be a contract agency or something, but you know, I've never dealt with them, and, Hopefully never have to if I come in contact with one of these things. Make it have none of me. No, absolutely. Well, and if you want to contact Chris Barrera, it's uh, Bigfoot South Dakota on Facebook. You can get a hold of him. And uh, Chris, keep me updated with anything else that you find. I'd love to have you back on the show for an update. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. No problem. And anything that comes up, we'll definitely be in touch. And and, uh, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. The honor was definitely mine, Chris. And I want to thank the audience for joining us tonight. Uh, I will be in San Diego next week. I'll be checking out a couple areas. And uh, hopefully I can film a lot of that stuff and post it up to the website, SasquatchChronicles.com. Again, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, email me. My email address is Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. Until next time, everyone, have a great night.